Hey, hey, this is Takara, and you are listening to A Letter to My Sister podcast. You are in the right place if you are raised to be a strong, independent woman who didn't have to depend on anybody for anything, but then you realize there were some lessons that you didn't quite get as you were going along the way. We often go through life the best way that we know how, and we don't even realize that there's a better way. So in here, there will be some raw and real conversations surrounding life lessons about the things that we wish that we had known, maybe about self, love, money, and even our careers. So if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and I would love for you to leave a rating and review as well. So now that we've got all that out the way, let's chat, sis. Hey, sis. So one of the things that I wish was talked about a little bit more is switching our career paths. And that's kind of what we're talking about today is the career switch and following your calling, even if it goes against the grain. So I've got Evelyn with me and she's going to talk about her process of how she made the switch from where she was to where she is now. So listen up. Evelyn, welcome to A Letter to My Sister podcast. I am so excited to have you on today so we can talk about careers, careers of all things. Thank you so much for inviting me on. All right. So we were talking before and you have such a great story because I was looking for someone who started off in one career, but then say, uh... This is this is not working for me. This is as a matter of fact, I don't even think I wanted to do the first job anyway. Let me switch to something else. And you have such an amazing story. So can you kind of tell us kind of how your career progression has been? Yeah. So I uh, went to college and got my degree in psychology um, and very quickly learned when I graduated that a bachelor's in psychology does not really get you any high paying jobs. So I went on to get my master's. Now I knew I wanted to get my master's, but I wasn't sure in what I was so unsure of what I wanted to do with myself. I knew that I wanted to be able to help people in some way or another, um, but was really unsure. And at the time my brother was a teacher. Um, a few of my friends had gone into teaching we had kind of been raised with the idea that you get a job, preferably one that has a union, you work for 25, 35 years, and you start living when you retire. Um, so I did that. I went into teaching. And I mean, I was good at it. I was a good teacher and I enjoyed it for the most part. And I got to the point, though, where I felt forced to be there, you know, kind of politics and policy took over the classroom. And I was really feeling not only unfulfilled, but just overly unhappy. Going into work, forcing myself to get out of the car, you know, being there, but not being there. Um, So in the process, actually, during the time that I was teaching, I was also nutrition coaching and personal training. And I started to talk to my husband about how 
just how much it was taking a toll on who I was as a wife, as a mother of, you know, how when I left that building, I didn't feel like myself. I didn't even know who I wanted to be anymore. I didn't even know who I was anymore. I was just, I was just existing. So we budgeted for quite a while and I resigned a year later and started focusing primarily on uh, nutrition, coaching, and personal training full-time. Wow. Okay. So let me go back. First of all, let me just say I too got a bachelor's degree in psychology. Ah. And when I graduated, I said, I don't, so wait, I got to go back. <laughs> I have to go back to get paid. No, 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 no. This is not it. Exactly. That shock, you start looking at your opportunities and you're like, oh, wow, I don't know that I can even pay for the gas to get me to work every day um, exactly. I, with my bachelor's degree. <laughs> exactly. I said, um, so wait a minute, I because sp- I spent five years because I switched my degree oh. because at first I called myself that I was helping people. So I said, okay, well, the only way you can help people is to do medical school, clearly. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I started off as pre-med and then organic chemistry and physics humbled me very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't think this is the path for me. Yeah, no, I don't think this is it. So then I, w- I said, okay, well, people like telling me all of their business they tell me that I'm a good listener. Who's a good listener? I said, well, psychologists and psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. Well, a psychiatrist involves me going to medical school. So let's scratch that out. So now I'm left with psychology. Then I switched my major to psychology, which then added an extra year. Mm-hmm. And then I graduate and I'm like, now what I'm going to do with this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> what <am> I- <laughs> I spent all this thousands and thousands of dollars and I can do nothing. I have yeah. to go back and get a master's. Mm-hmm. <sighs> New career. <laughs> yep. I hear you. I hear all of that. Oh, man. Okay. So clearly we're, we're definitely uh, down the same path with that one. Now you mentioned that you did nutrition coaching and personal training while you were teaching. Mm-hmm. So when did you pick this up or has this always been a passion of yours, the two? Well, I was into fitness, but I, I I'll tell you this. So as I was you know, growing up, I was like a fit kid. I was super athletic um, and I got so much attention for my body. Um, and I don't mean just like from males. I mean, people constantly commented on my physique, my muscle tone. It was the thing that I got commented on more than anything else. And I think that it, I kind of took it on as a part of my identity as, you know, Evelyn has to have this great body. Otherwise, who is she? So when I went to college and I put on that freshman 15, Mm -hmm. more like the freshman 20, um, (laughs) (laughs) I started dieting and I loved it because of course I was 19 years old and the weight came off very quickly, but it's because it gave me this sense of control. Um, And obviously not taking care of any of the real issues. I lost weight, 
gained weight, tried another diet, lost weight, gained weight, tried, you know, and that cycle continued for a very long time. Um, it wasn't until after I had my second daughter that I actually worked with a nutrition coach that taught me so much about my food, how it impacted my body, how it impacted my sleep, my energy. And I, and I wanted to learn it for myself. So I started nutrition coaching really shortly after I had been coached because I fell in love with it. But the big but is I was coaching strictly for nutrition and doing personal training because I thought I was going to help women feel better about themselves. I was still on my journey though. You know, I was not healed. So in that process, what I learned more than anything was no matter how much weight I lost, no matter how muscular I looked, I still felt terribly because the work that needed to be done was not outside. My exterior was never going to make me feel good about myself. I was chasing this smaller version of myself. I was chasing this different Evelyn because I thought I needed to be different to feel valued. And that's where the real work had to start is realizing that I could lose all the weight in the world. And I was just myself and my clients were just feeling like a smaller version of our unhappy selves. So that's when, you know, I had to learn to do the inside work and really heal that way and then allow my body to heal more naturally on the outside. So when I was teaching, I was coaching strictly nutrition, strictly food and exercise. Um, and it wasn't until much later that I was able to incorporate the mindset and the intuition and the unlearning and the healing to, to really help the whole woman. Interesting. Okay. I'm definitely going to put a pin in that because I know we're going to be there for a while. Going back to your teaching, you mm -hmm. said it got to a point where you were like, I just, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't even recognize who I am. So what was kind of the last straw for you or what is it that finally, when what you finally said, okay, I have got to get out and do something different for me and my family? I can say that being a mom was definitely something that was, uh, you know, that helped me tip the pendulum that way. Um, but my last year there was a really difficult year. The thing is when you're a teacher and you have strong discipline, you tend to get a lot of children with behavior problems because they need more discipline. So I started seeing a lot of mental health issues that I was not equipped to handle. You know, I was at the point where I was teaching. Literally, I had to stand at my classroom door and I would teach with my arm blocking the door because I had a little boy that would run out of the building and he would get aggressive. And so he had a great deal of respect for me. We clicked really well. So if I just stood and taught at the door, he wouldn't run out. But it was taking such a toll on me that my whole day felt stressed. And then I came home and was not patient with my own kids. And I was not patient with my husband. And I remember feeling like, how am I going to work every day and dedicating all my mental energy to other people's families and not showing up for mine the way that I want to? And that was it. 
that was it. When I realized that I was not who I wanted to be in my personal life, I had to let go of the professional life and realize that there's always going to be a way to make money, but there's not always going to be a way to shape my family. I can't redo my kid's childhood if I don't do it right the first time. So it was a difficult decision, but ultimately I feel like it was the best decision that I ever could have made. That's powerful because I think too, that's probably what make a lot of people say, okay, this is it. When you are seemingly giving all that you have to people that's not even your family to the point that when you get home, you don't even have the energy for it. It kind of reminds me of um, Sherry Riley's book, Exponential Living, Mm -hmm. where she says, stop spending 100% of the time on 10% of who you are. And I feel like a lot of us are so guilty of that, especially when it comes to careers, because we spend all day there. They claim it's an eight-hour day, but it's so much more than that if you think about the time that you are getting dressed and getting prepared and you're in traffic and you're here and you're there. By the time you do all that, that's basically a 12 hour day. And then you got to sleep somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what do you have left? We, you, like mm-hmm. I, I will say always that my family is my priority, but living in that job, I may have said it. I may have thought it. I wasn't showing it. I wasn't Mm -hmm. showing them that they were a priority. What I was showing them was that I was burnt out and exhausted and too tired to deal with them. And that (laughs) it breaks my heart to think of that. You know, my journey to motherhood was not an easy one. And to know that I was finally blessed with all the things that I had prayed for and to know that I wasn't even caring for it in the way that I know I could have and should have, it kind of breaks my heart. But I do feel like I had to go through it. I had to see it. I had to feel it so that I can truly appreciate the impact that I have on them now and know that, you know, the impact I have on my family is a choice Mm -hmm. and my work will always be a choice, but my family will always be the choice. They will always be the choice. The way we eat, the money that we bring in will always be secondary in, in decision-making. It has to be. Absolutely. Okay. So now to go back, because now you are into fitness, you're into mm-hmm. coaching, and the day that your last day at work, mm-hmm. your last day at work before you made the transition how was that day for you? How did you feel? I was terrified. I was terrified. I was terrified from all angles. Financially, you know, we were going to go down to one salary in my house, to, you know, to, regardless of what we had saved. Also, I'm a very strong-willed, independent person to then be dependent on my husband financially. And also... I'm a firm believer that our children learn by watching us, not just by what we say. And I was so scared that I was teaching my daughters to give up. I was afraid that I was going to let them down. I was afraid that I wasn't going to be a good model to them. I was afraid that I would be judged. I was afraid for 
all the comments that I knew were coming, all of the opinions that people had for my life, I was, I was afraid of all of it. Honestly, like I weighed that decision so heavily, but let me tell you, when I walked out the door at the end of the day and sat in my car, the fear was gone. I felt nothing but relief. I actually felt lighter and I drove home knowing that I made the right decision. Like I walked out that building and it was like this rush of knowing that I finally chose me that made me, I felt so free and so light and just so sure that I made the right choice. That's amazing. I like that last part. You chose you and in that you felt so free and sure about the decision that you made. Mm -hmm. Even though you were terrified when you left, when you on your last day, but when you left, the peace that you had was just one that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's it's like the that exercise when you ask yourself, I'm afraid. So what is my worst case scenario? Like write down all the things that you're afraid of and what life would look like if all of those things came to fruition. And the truth is we would survive on one salary. We had already budgeted. The truth is if I had to go back to work, I could get a different job. The truth is I couldn't let my children down because they had a loving and present mother. Kids don't want things. They want you. I couldn't let them down. And yes, people were absolutely going to judge me. And yes, they did for a very long time. But that can't break you anymore. When you're so sure of yourself and you're so comfortable in your decision and you feel centered, the comments just don't hurt like when you're unsure. I love your perspective of that. It was what if and then, okay, well, even if. Mm-hmm. we're still okay. We're still okay no matter what happens. And I think that gives a person confidence to say, I can actually do this because mm-hmm. even if this still happens, you didn't take my degree away. You didn't take my expertise away. I can just go somewhere else. That's and exactly then that's all it. that's required. That's exactly it. So I'm curious, cause I'm not, how long were you teach? Were you teaching a while? I was teaching 11 years. 11 years. Okay. So I'm curious, what were some of the comments? Because you basically have, I'm assuming at that point you're considered to be like a senior or at least more experienced, maybe tenure, depending on the school that you are. And that's a lot of time. 10 years is a lot of time for most professions to put in and then all of a sudden get out and then decide to do something else. So what are some of the things that people, people said to you? People told me that I was crazy, that I was jeopardizing my financial future, that, you know, I wasn't going to have stability and families need stability, that, I was going to be losing out on the 403 retirement plan that I had, that I had wasted all of my years in college. And now, you know, I had student loan debt and I wasn't even working in that field anymore, that I was going to regret it, that I was going to hate being dependent on my husband, that um, it just, I feel like the, the comments came heavily 
And, and so did the, I constantly got texts and emails with job openings. Like (laughs) (laughs) I was constantly getting, Hey, this school's hiring. Hey, this school is hiring. I think you need to rethink this. I had someone buy me a book on, it was about like reconnecting with yourself letting go of regret in some way or another. Um, but it's like, the, this book is not relevant to me because I don't regret my choice. I don't right. regret my choice. I think that the more that I think about it, the more I think that people's comments were just a projection of their own fears, the stories they tell themselves when they make decisions. Because even today, it's been six years since I left teaching. And I have been coaching completely differently and I have been speaking and I've been on virtual stages all around the world. And people will still ask me, do you think you'll go back to teaching? (laughs) My heart is not there. My heart is here. My heart is the way that I impact women and help them find the freedom that I found. You know, it is in watching my children grow to be as confident as I am because I showed them what that looks like, you know, to, to be able to break those curses, to be able to break the thoughts that held me back and not pass it on to them. That's where my joy is. Not in the salary that came with a job that was (laughs) destroying me from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't feel like there's anything wasted Even when I, earlier when I said, well, I thought the only way that I was able to help a person was to become a doctor. I mean, essentially you are still teaching your audience change. That's it. But you're still teaching. Just Mm -hmm. not in the classroom. You've created your own classroom, essentially. Absolutely. And I really believe that working in the classroom taught me to be a much more conscious and patient parent working with other adults who were, you know, struggling with some of the same issues I was struggling with taught me to be way more compassionate to other adults. I think that being in high stress situations taught me patience and calm. So I don't feel like any of it was wasted. I feel like it shaped me. You know, it wasn't a traditional route. It wasn't a straight line, but it got me where I needed to be with the skills that I needed to have to do what I do effectively. Absolutely. And I I feel like that's how life happens. It's very strategic. There's never, it's never linear. It's never a straight path. It's more just like a bowl of spaghetti and just (laughs) try to follow the noodle and and see where it landed. It reminds me of those puzzles where it's like, um, where where is the water coming out of? But then there's one piece that's blocked off. So it's not going to come out of the second one or the third one. You just have to follow it. Mm-hmm. And and just kind of see where it lands. Mm-hmm. I love the, I have adapted or adopted Patrice Washington's statement. Um, I'm not committed to the outcome, mm-hmm. but I am focused on the journey. I'm yes. focused on the process. So I think all of this led me to a point where I can say, even if my life changed dramatically tomorrow or next year or in five years, I don't have to be so focused on where I'm going to end up as long as I'm being present in the meantime, because no matter what, I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. 
Absolutely. And I think all of those experiences is what makes us unique, right? That there's a lot of trainers out there. There's a lot of coaches out there, but we all have our different spin Mm -hmm. on how we do things. And because you are a teacher, you're able to teach people, you're able to kind of do the lesson plans and you know, okay, I I see I lost you. Let me come on back around. And I feel like you would have the skill to be able to do that just from all the experience that Mm -hmm. you've had before. Yeah. I think, you know, even when you're in your classroom, you think about all the different learners that are in front of you and you have to be able to modify not only your lesson plans, but your actual verbal lesson and then modify the way that you bring that material out and the, and knowing that they're going to receive it differently. And I feel like that absolutely goes to play when I am coaching because I don't know the woman in front of me. Is she a chronic dieter like I was? Is she somebody that needs a lot of information to understand? If she's, is she someone who doesn't want any information and just wants to be guided? You know, every single person that comes to me comes not only with a different story, but with a different learning style. So you definitely have to be able to mold your teaching to their needs. Very true. Okay. So take us now to the point where you then decided that you would go into your entrepreneurial journey. Did you start off? Did you just do it full time all the way? Or did you just kind of slowly work yourself into it? Because I remember you saying that you had young children too Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. I worked myself into it. I was definitely part-time at first, and I was nutrition coaching online and personal training in person for several years. And I did start to change directives because I saw that even though women were coming to me for personal training, for physical exercise, when we were working out, the questions they were asking were all about mindset. We're all about intuition. We're all about nutrition. So really the personal training, they thought they needed the personal training, but what they needed was something much deeper. So the exercise wasn't going to heal what they were feeling as it was. So I started to shift from there. Um, I think my, my biggest turning point was when I was at a picnic several years ago with my two daughters and I am definitely mama bear with my babies. They are 12 and nine and I still call them my babies. I don't care. But (laughs) (laughs) because becoming a mother was so difficult for me, I remember when I finally became a mom, I remember promising God, like, I am not just going to be a good mom. I'm going to be an exceptional one. And, And I made it a point to raise them with intention So I can say that my journey for myself and for my kids was layered. When I first had them, I felt like the decisions I made was to make sure that they didn't hurt the way that I did, to make sure that I changed some of the lessons I had so that they wouldn't feel the ways that I felt. But I started to learn that living to help them feel good was still going to be irrelevant because they weren't watching me feel good. You know, I could speak life into them, but if they were watching me live self-consciously, if they were watching me hold myself back, then eventually that's what they would do for themselves as well. So I had to heal a lot of my hurts 
a lot of my self-consciousness, a lot of my limiting beliefs so that I wouldn't pass them on to them. But the biggest point for me was being at a picnic and knowing like I've always been with the girls very open about health, never using words that define their body. I always talk about their character. And as far as food was concerned, the only thing I ever told them was some food is super healthy and it helps us grow. And some food is super yummy, but it doesn't help us grow. So all we need to do is eat more of the food that helps us grow and sprinkle in the food that doesn't help us grow. That's it. No good or bad, healthy versus unhealthy, no, no labels. But we were at a picnic one day and I served the girls. I think it was like a burger, a salad and some corn. And someone says to my daughter, she was 10 at the time. She's like, honey, if you want to keep that figure, you better lay off those burgers. And. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> when I stopped raging, <laughs> when I stopped raging, I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, we want so much for our kids, but we're the problem. We're part of the problem. We teach them or tell them they can be anything. They are unstoppable. We see big things for them. And then we teach them to shrink and we teach them to fit in a box. And we tell them they have to look a certain way and act a certain way and don't ask for things too directly. Like our teachings are confusing. We're telling them one thing and we're showing them another. And that is when, I mean, everything changed. The way that I spoke, the way that I felt, the way that I coached my clients. My whole business changed. I mean, I started focusing on health and wellness, yes, but the lens of leaving legacies of generational health, of, of healing ourselves so that we don't hurt our daughters. It was quite a journey, but in the end, I realized that full circle, it all still started with me. I love that. Leaving legacies of generational health mm-hmm. health we normally hear generational wealth mm-hmm. but certainly you can't obtain the wealth if you don't necessarily have the health mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely and, and, and when i talk about health i'm not just talking about physical health because yes physical health is important and i do believe that our eating habits and you know the, the things that are like body focused, we absolutely learn from the women in our lives, but also the health piece that's let, that lets us know that we are worthy of being cared for. Because I really believe that, especially women, we're taught that the way to show the, the utmost love is to neglect yourself. Like if I'm doing for everybody else, then I must really love them. But I... I'm adamant in saying that if I want the best for my kids, then I need to show them. I need to be what I want for them. If I want them to be confident, I need to be confident. If I want them to be self-loving, I need to be self-loving. I can't just say love yourself and then I'm not living it because they're learning my lesson. Otherwise, I, I always pictured it as me telling my daughter, You can be anything you want to be. I believe so deeply in you. But when you have a family, you have to take all your wants and needs and squish them down till you don't feel them anymore. 
Like that's heartbreaking to me. So I want to show my daughters that true health is not about abs or a pant size. True health is about having energy and having focus and having self-acceptance and having strong relationships and surrounding yourself with people who make you want to win. That's health to me. It's not about losing weight. It's not about having muscle. It's not about anything that has to do with your exterior. Your health literally is an inside job that I, it's my job to give them that foundation. I love that approach. You take what I call a nursing approach Mm. because of course, as nurses, we're all about holistic health. And um, I tell people if they're very familiar with the medical system, typically the physician is just there to treat the symptom. You came in with a headache. We're going to give you something for the headache. We're not going to delve any deeper into that. Whereas nurses, we're taught holistically. So even when I worked on the floor and I worked on a a cardiac floor, for a lot of my women patients, as I told most of them, you landed up here some kind of way. Tell me what's going on in your world. And for the majority of my female patients, a lot of them, they came in with chest pain. That's usually how you got your first way ticket on my floor. But a lot of them was simply having stress at home. It was always stress. That is like, that, that it just is so heavy, but it resonates, right? Because we feel it and we ignore it because we think that we have to. Mm-hmm. Until our bodies are like, oh, you're not going to sit down? Right. <laughs> you're not going to sit down? I will sit you down. So mm-hmm. I've always had to have conversations with them to say, look, if you don't get a handle on this, it's not going to be chest pain next time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a stroke next time. It's going to be something even more severe. So whatever this is, whoever this is, Either you need to have a conversation with them, you need to get them out of your house. There is something that you need to do. I said, because if you don't fix it, I promise you, I will see you again. And I really don't want to. I don't want to, but I will see you again if you don't get a handle on it. And even some were so busy, like their kids would, they would just come right on up to the hospital (laughs) with the same thing the same foolishness that brought them in there in the first place. And I would just have to usher them out to say, Hey, thank you guys for coming. It's, it's time for her to rest now. And then Mm -hmm. I would have to kind of sew into her again to say, Hey, look, you've got to start creating some boundaries with these people so that you've got some breathing space so that you're able to better take care of yourself. And I remember when you and I were talking before And you were saying, yeah, this is holistic fitness. This is about Mm -hmm. spiritual, physical, and mental fitness. And I think Mm -hmm. all of that comes into play, especially like when you were talking about intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. So I know me, (laughs) what I've realized very quickly is that if I'm happy, I'm eating. If I'm sad, I'm eating. Mm -hmm. If I'm excited, I'm eating. Either way, I am eating. Mm-hmm. Now, the mood just depends on what I am eating. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what it was. So if I'm sad, it's probably going to be laced with lots of fat, lots of salt, 
and all of those things, I will make a special trip to the grocery store. I will get me some cookies that goes in the oven and plop that on top of my ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If that's how I'm feeling, but I love that you take a completely holistic approach so that we can look at all areas mm-hmm. to see, okay, this is my problem right here. I'm not I'm not feeling my feelings. And now what I've decided to do is drown my sorrows in a bucket of cookies and cream ice yeah. cream. Which is just a distraction because when you finish that cookies and cream ice cream, you're still sad. Right. You're just sad and full. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like so much of that though, I don't know, you know, what things were like in your house growing up, but I know for us, um, I have an older brother and two younger sisters. And I know the rule for us was like, you sat down for dinner and you didn't get up until you finished that plate of food. Or if there was dessert, you couldn't have any unless you finished all your dinner. Um, so it's little things like that. Like you're mm-hmm. so young, right? Your body is telling you I'm full, I'm comfortable, but the adult, the authority is saying, no, you're not done. So it's that it, you don't even realize how young that disconnect starts when you start to feel like they know better than me. They know better than me. So I have to do what they say. So I feel like for me, because we had a lot of that, you know, rules around eating, I feel like that's why it was so easy for me to fall victim to dieting because it did make me feel like, you know, this person told me to do X, Y, and Z and I'll get a result. And clearly they know better than me, but really diet after diet after diet just pulled me away from myself. I am the one person who knows what's best for me. I am the one person who can tell when I'm comfortable. I am the only person who can tell when I'm hungry, but I was the only person I wouldn't listen to because I didn't trust myself. So I feel like I learned that very, very early. Yeah, we we definitely grew up in the same house. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely grew up in the same house for sure because even I noticed even today, I'm like, all right, girl, you don't have to eat all of this food. And because then it's like, I don't want to waste food. So then I have the, okay, I'm full, but I also don't want to waste food. And then, you know, I since we grew up in the same household, I'm sure you got this piece too. There are starving kids in all these different countries. And here you are sitting here wasting this good food that I have fixed you. And you're like, then why did okay. you serve me so much? <laughs> right. If there are hungry kids, why are you making me eat so much? <laughs> right. Can you send it to them, please? Yeah. I- <laughs> it's true. We had the same conversation. There are starving kids, but you're respectful, right? You're a respectful child. So you're not going to be like, then pack them a plate. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, man, but it's so funny how all of that just sticks with you mm-hmm. and then you don't even realize wow this has been ingrained in me from mm-hmm. time after time even the i'm happy i'm eat i'm sad i eat mm-hmm. this is all family all family functions mm-hmm. and they're all surrounded by food yeah it's yes. everything is food like if i tell them i'm vegetarian they don't know what to do with me mm-hmm. I, i'm not vegetarian but I do have phases to where I say, well, I'm not going to eat meat for this amount of time. Mm -hmm. And if I get around family and we're having a function and I say, I don't want any meat. You feeling okay? You sick? I don't know if I have anything for you. Um, 
you want this watermelon because <laughs> there is meat in in everything and it's like we have to change our entire way of how we operate but not only that how we choose to celebrate and celebrate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a healthy way as well yeah and I, I do notice that like so I have not dieted in a very very long time and I just I truly eat anything that I like in a way that still keeps me comfortable. You know, I know when my body has had enough. If And once you get to listen to your body's cues, you're like, oh, that's what it feels like to be comfortable. Because truly, we register two things, right? Starving and stuffed. There's no mm-hmm. in-between. <laughs> so it's learning to, to know what your body feels in that in-between that will keep you from ever like binging because you're always satisfied. Um, so when I go to family functions and I have like a little bit of everything, it's always like, that's how you eat. That's how you're eating. That's like, you eat like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tried a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah. And, and I feel like family has the biggest resistance when you are changing the way you eat and they are so heavily offended by your choices. But I will say this, when you start making different choices for your body, and I'm not saying I don't do drastic, I don't do drastic. When you start making choices for your body, people will ask you all the time, like, what are you doing? And, you know, come at you with comments and stuff. But when they start to see your results, all of a sudden it's like, how do you do that? You know, so it goes from critiquing to teach me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the resistance is there. I feel like everything else, the resistance is there because of their own fears. Yeah. And I, and even going back to when you were talking about when you left your teaching position and everyone was like, you got to be crazy. You're out of your mind. Who would do this? Why would you do that? And even me, what I noticed was I have terrible, well, had, don't have them anymore, but I had terrible menstrual cramps. Mm. horrible. I mean, when I tell you, I would, I would be popping, uh, Tylenol and Motrin. Like there were the little, what do you call it? The little Pez thing. Yeah. Just popping a candy in your mouth. <laughs> 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 like I just, I just could not take it. And then I came across a YouTube video and the guy was like, animal fat is your problem. You get away from the animal fat and try it out. And I guarantee you, you'll feel better. And I said, well, I mean, nothing else is working for me. Let me try this thing out. So what I did is he said for the whole month, I was like, I'm not doing that. But what I did is the week before my cycle was to start, I just went straight vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And he said, also lay off some of the fats. So don't eat like the nut butters and the mm-hmm. and the avocados, the things that are really fatty. So I did that the week before. And then the week of, I just did like green smoothies and vegetables. And when I tell you my little, my little Skittle popping days went down to, I think I only needed one pill for the entire day. And that was it. That's impressive. And normally I, I need to take medication for five days. Five days is when I need to take medication. And me doing that simple tweak, I went down to one, two pills tops 
per day. And that's been me for the last three months. So then when I told my cousin about it, she was like, you crazy. But then when she tried it with me, she said, girl, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't have anything. She said, no, I did have to add my meat back, but she still only stuck with fish and she only had fish like the one and she still had the same exact results. And I said, you never realize how much food has a very particular effect Mm -hmm. on your body Mm -hmm. until you just try it. And now I'm like, well, honey, I'm vegetarian two weeks out of the month so I can survive. And I'm not up here looking like somebody's drug dealer Mm -hmm. (laughs) when that time comes. But it literally is, it's, it's just that it literally is what works for you. Like I'm so I had, when I was, um, when I graduated college, I got very ill and one of my lungs almost collapsed. So it was down to like 4% capacity. Oh my. I was on a ton of medication. I was in the hospital for a long time. When I left, they, I left with four steroids. Um, and I actually got introduced to a naturopathic doctor who had me try for three weeks just cutting out all red meat, all sugar, all dairy. Her, her um, teachings are that things like red meat and sugar and dairy are, they work almost as histamines. So when your body's absorbing, your body's work, your body's reacting as if you're having an allergy, even though you're not allergic to it. So I tried it just to see it. And she says, you know, whenever you have a flare up that is negatively impacting your breathing, do the same thing. Cut the red meat, the dairy, the sugar, and increase your leafy greens. And can you believe after one week of doing what she told me, I went back to the doctor and I was able to get off all four steroids, all four steroids. And so now even this is a long time after, I'm not going to give up my age, but a long time (laughs) after. And I still do that. You know, when it's allergy season, I tend to get allergies spring, fall. I make sure that I'm going to increase my leafy greens. I'm going to cut back red meat. I don't eat red meat a ton, but I cut back the red meat. I lay off the sugar and my breathing is clear. And I do the same thing for my daughters. The, the food is medicine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Food Let medicine. food be thy medicine. Yes. Love that. Love that. So one of the last questions that I had is, I know that you're you're in this full time now. You're, mm-hmm. you're deep in, you're swimming in it, you're diving yes. in it. So tell me, how do you feel this day making this decision and all the choices you've made up until this point? I feel, I feel like I am so grateful for the journey. I am proud of myself for making a decision because I really believe that leaving that job is what put me on the path to being who I was really meant to be instead of who I was forcing myself to be. Because now I just exist from a place of centeredness and confidence in who I am and who I'm supposed to be that I don't, I'm not left questioning anymore. I'm not left feeling like, is there more? Am I missing something? Like I'm in the thick of it and I'm loving I am loving the way that my life is. And looking at your face, I can just see how you're 
Like you exude happiness mm. and excitement when you talk about exactly what you're doing right now mm. versus when you are talking about teaching. <laughs> like I'm over. It makes it. my shoulders. It makes my <laughs> shoulders heavy. My back hurts. Exactly. <laughs> like you, you can literally see the change, and it's mm. like clearly you are doing exactly what it is that you are meant to do. And because you made the change, you are living the life that you wanted to live. You said you wanted to be there for your children. You are. You said you wanted to be present with your husband. Now you are. Mm -hmm. And you can just see the the calmness Mm -hmm. just over your face to say, this is what I do now. And not only that, I've been able to travel all Mm -hmm. over the world and I would not have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, and you know what else it feels like? It feels so good that knowing because I released the fear of judgment, because I released the fear of disappointing others, I actually am empowering my daughters to live their life true to themselves as well. They won't have to sit back and wonder, is mommy going to be disappointed in me? Because they know that as long as their gut tells them it's right, then it's right. Yeah. And I gave them that. I gave them that, you know? That That's feels legacy. That feels powerful. That's legacy right there. Yes, that is legacy. Okay, we're coming up on the hour. So this is my last question for you. If you could give a piece, any piece of advice to your sister, could be younger, could be older, whoever you want your sister to be about their career and going against the grain, Mm -hmm. what would that be? Okay, my, I would say two parts. My first part would be don't just up and quit and leave yourself broke. (laughs) Have, have a plan, (laughs) but also don't make decision based on shoulds. And don't talk yourself out of following your gut because your body intuitively is telling you what it wants and needs in not just like I talk about that in food and exercise, but I'm talking about in life. Your body knows and you talk yourself out of it. Your your gut is telling you what decision to make and you're saying, no, that can't be it. Go with your gut. Nobody knows what's best for you better than you. And no matter what it is that you go through, you will get through it. You will get through it. And if it doesn't work out, whatever it is that you plan doesn't work out, there are always jobs available. So don't force yourself to stay doing something that decreases who you are in the name of a should because you don't owe that to anybody. You owe life and time and energy and happiness to you. You owe that to you. I love that. I absolutely love that. Following your gut, following your intuition. And I am a firm believer of the good book that your gifts make room for you. Yes. So wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you're doing, even if someone says, well, typically you don't make too much money doing this particular thing, Okay, well, that's you, but my gift could absolutely make me excel over, above, and beyond of what this thing is. Like, Mm -hmm. there are some coaches that can't quit their job, but that's the capacity that they are. And then there's other coaches that are out here 
making millions. Mm-hmm. It's just all based on the gifts and, and the capacity that they hold mm-hmm. and that they have. So I love that, that you should have a plan. Don't yes. just be like, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> have a plan, but definitely follow, follow your guts. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. your body is not going to steer you wrong. It's just that we've been taught so hard to question ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. Evelyn, thank you so much for educating us on careers, going against the grain, and holistic fitness. I have definitely enjoyed my conversation with you today. I've enjoyed this as well. Thank you so much for having me on. I love this chat with Evelyn because she basically gave us the process of how you can move from where you are to exactly where it is that you want to be. And just when she was talking about how she noticed that she spent all her time and energy and efforts basically at this job. And then when she got home, she didn't have the energy to pour into her husband and pour into her kids. And that is when she knew that she absolutely had to make that decision to make the switch. And so I hope that you took some notes and I hope that you got some inspiration from Evelyn for how she made the switch from teacher to now a fitness and a mindset coach. And so while we're on her credentials, let me just give you a little bit more information about Evelyn. So she is a transformational speaker, Moderation 365 and Hormonal Fat Loss Nutrition Coach, Certified Group and Personal Trainer, and has a specialization in behavior change. She also has a Bachelor's of Art in Psychology and Master's in Education. Evelyn is the owner of Evelyn Levasseur Fitness, a company that focuses on helping busy, overwhelmed moms reach their body goals without dieting or deprivation. She helps the whole woman, not just her outside. Together, Evelyn and her clients focus heavily on building legacies of generational health. And you can find Evelyn at her website, evelynfit.com, or on Instagram and Facebook at Evelyn Levasseur Fitness. And I will leave all of that information in the show notes per usual. All right, sis, there is no one like you. There is no one out here that can do the things that you do. So show up, let your light shine bright, and never dim it for anyone. Until next time, bye.